Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hi, here I am in the Ivy Didsbury building. Maybe some of you have never even been here, but the reason you are in one of the Ivy sites is because some people moved from here some years ago and started to take the gospel message out and us to plant some different churches in different ways. We're also still meeting here, of course, on a Sunday evening. It's that a place where we have offices too. Why not come along this Sunday evening? We're just having these times of presence where we're connecting with God. We're really having a relationship with Jesus. No point talking about helping people find their way back to God if then having found him, we don't enjoy that relationship that Jesus has won for us. One thing you're also going to be hearing about soon is a decision that we have to make. Having received money from so many generous people who gave into the first fruits offering, we're going to decide whether or not we just say, well, thank you very much, and we kind of paint it up and do some things with it, or we go to another stage from an ambitious project that's going to really transform this whole place and make it amazing for the 21st century. And we want you to be informed about those opportunities, so keep on listening for that. And while I'm here today, I also wanted to give you some heads ups about a few things that are going to be happening in the next few weeks, months ahead here at Ivy. Today we're starting a series all about the heart. We're looking at this as a focus for the next little while. What, what is the heart of the matter? Why does your heart really matter to God? And after that, through the summer, we're going to do a summer of change. We're going to be looking at how God changes us, specifically looking at a Bible book, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Ephesus, the, the letter to the Ephesians. We're going to be studying that right across Ivy at every site. It's the most amazing book. So I'm really looking forward to this heart series. Following on from that, we're going to be looking at the summer of change and looking at Ephesians. And the good news about looking at Ephesians is it can help us to understand where we're at and, and help us to check our hearts as well. Because there's only really the, the book of Ephesians and, and the church at Ephesus which can show us through the Bible the birth, the life and the death of a church. Yeah, believe it or not, this church started out really well, was doing some amazing things, but then unfortunately it dwindled down and is no longer in, effectively in, in existence at all. So can we learn some lessons from a church like that? I think we can, positively and negatively. In Acts 19, you can read about how the Apostle Paul turned up in this place called Ephesus. It was a, a beautiful city, very sophisticated people living there, but there were just a few new believers. And in fact, they didn't have very good theology. They didn't really know much about Jesus. They didn't know about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He had to pray for them and then they received the Holy Spirit. And then he, together with a few other people, started to instruct these people about how they were disciples who were meant to go and make disciples. And something quite extraordinary happened right there in Ephesus, because in the space of just two years and three months, what they started impacted the whole of that huge region of Asia Minor, which was like the whole of Turkey. And it says that during that time, by the end of that time, there wasn't a place there. There wasn't a person there who hadn't heard the good news of Jesus. See, they were all interested in planting new churches. When Jesus wanted to change the world, he started 
to call people. He would call those people disciples and some of them he'd say, you're going to go and you're going to represent me. And then he called somebody like Paul and Paul decided the way he was going to change the world was that he was going to raise up church leaders, church planters, start lots of new churches so that then um, they would be able to reach more people and help them find their way back to God. And so Paul went and he started out in the synagogue and they threw him out of the synagogue. They didn't want to hear him. So then he started to rent places. He went to the biggest place in town. He went to the Hall of Tyrannus. And a couple of years, he was like training people, teaching people, bringing them in, sending them out. All the seven churches that you read about in the book of Revelation were started from there during this time. And so these churches were going out all over the place. Now you're going to know that Ivy's been on a journey like that for the last number of years. We've been planting out from here into lots of different places. Maybe you're sitting in one right now. We're not content with that. One of the things that we want to do, we want to take another bold move by the end of the year. We're going to move into the fuse. I mean, encouraging some of you to pray and think about whether you could help us with our next missional move of a church plant. To go uh, to the place that's run by our friends, Deborah and Frank Green, Rock, which is a charity so close to our heart, are now running. We're going to go and use this state-of-the-art facility. We're going to be reaching out to the people from not just Partington, but any, anybody who wants to come from anywhere to be able to come to this amazing facility to hear about Jesus, to go there and then to go from there and reach their friends and neighbours for Jesus Christ. It's a really exciting move. So in October, we're going to encourage Pete and Lauren Dawson are going to be leading this great couple. They're going to go and they're going to plant a church that starts meeting out there. We'll maybe just do one in October. Maybe we'll do two in November services there. Maybe we'll do a couple in December. We could do a big Christmas thing. Could you think and pray about whether you could be part of that launching team, those pioneering type people who are going to go and help to get that thing started in an amazing way so that more people find their way back to Jesus through Ivy Fuse, which is going to be our next uh, church plan. If you want and you're happy about that, you can clap and cheer right now and praise God for it. That church in Ephesus that Paul started was all about reproduction. It was reproducing disciples who were reproducing leaders who were planting reproducing churches and it was just spreading. And we want to be like that. That's why we're connected with this thing called New Thing, which is a church planting movement, which has got this aim of, of planting 10,000 new reproducing churches all the way across the world and specifically 250 to 500 here in Europe. To be honest with you, the way this is going, I really can believe that this is going to happen. So often we make our dreams based upon what we think we can do. But when we start having dreams the size of what God can do, that raises the game. One thing that we're going to be have happening here is in October, we're going to be going over to the Lighthouse Church where uh, Paul Hallam, my friend there, is going to be helping us as we gather leaders, uh, church leaders, denominational leaders, all kinds of organisations, and we're going to put on uh, exponential Europe. We're going to be putting on um, a, a version of the biggest church planting conference in the world, and we're right at the heart of making that happen. Right now, I've just sent out invitations to some really influential church leaders to say, would you come and help us shape this? Because we need to change the conversation on what's happening around church. I was reading a thing in the Daily Telegraph just yesterday. I love the Church of England, pray for the Church of England, but it was saying that if they continue 
continue along the same path as they're going. They don't anticipate that for the next 30 years they're going to see growth. Well, I'm sorry, but the Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And I, I believe the best days of the church are all ahead of us, not just behind us. And when we preach the gospel passionately, when we love Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, when we go out and tell people, guess what? The gospel still works. And maybe you're here because you believe that, because you've seen it in your own life or your own family. So yeah, pray about that in October. Um, one of the things that you'll benefit from is that on, on one evening before it, we're going to pull together another one of our equip nights. We're going to have Ying Kai come to speak to us. He's planted 170,000 churches across China and India. His movement has baptised 2.3 million people. We're kind of thinking, well, how could that happen? You know, what, what, what difference would it make for us in Manchester to get that same kind of spirit? Maybe we'd see the sort of thing that happened in Ephesus. There was, a, there was a guy called Demetrius. He used to make silver uh, idols of, of, the, of, the, of Artemis, who was like the goddess. And, uh, and he was getting worried because nobody was buying the idols anymore. He had to start a riot to, to riot against the Christians because he says, nobody's coming and buying our stuff. Can you imagine? What would it look like here in Manchester for people to, to say, okay, we're not going to spend money on things that aren't satisfying us anymore. Those little gods that we all worship that end up leaving us feeling empty. We're gonna stop doing that because now we've turned to Jesus. This isn't just the Christians existing. This is like everybody's doing it and people just pouring out of these places where they've been wasting their lives and the time that they've, they've spent wasting their lives and all kinds of other things. And they say, now I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ and everything changes because the gospel's come, because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. That's what revival looks like. And I imagine, I dream that for Manchester. I dream that for Manchester and it going beyond to affect the whole of the UK and beyond into Europe. And we're living in days when I believe that can and is going to happen. Now that church in Ephesus had some fantastic leaders. It had Paul who helped to start it together with Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila. They had Timothy ended up leading the church who, and one and two Timothy are written by Paul to Timothy while he's there in Ephesus. The apostle John ends up as one of the elders and one and two and three John are all written to him while he's there at Ephesus. You'd think nothing could go wrong because of those kind of leaders. Pray for us as leaders. We're nowhere near the superstars those guys were, to be honest, and we really need your prayers. And we've got leadership issues coming up. We've got good things happening. We've got staff changes that are going to be taking place across different sites. Each site will get to hear about them as they affect you in the next few months. But it's nothing to worry about. It's all good. God's just moving some pieces around in order to be able to reach more people for him. What mustn't happen, though, is what happened there in Ephesus sometime later, because You'd think everything would just continue to go and grow and, and it does, it, it, you know, by, it says within about 20 years there was 80,000 believers across that whole region, historians say. But before very long, just about everybody living in that area of Turkey was a Christian. But then something happened there in Ephesus because Jesus had to dictate a letter to John in the book of Revelation. And what he said to him, it was one of those things like, you know, when you, when you have a... Um, a, an appraisal and somebody says things are going really well here but I've got this problem uh, or maybe you're with a friend and they say I think you're a great guy you're amazing at this and you're amazing at that but let me tell you about this this was one of those kind of conversations Jesus had to have with the church at Ephesus let me read it to you from Revelation Revelation 2 starting in verse 1 to the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands I know your works your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you've not grown weary 
That's the good bit. It's like, here's some things I want to say positively to help you and encourage you. And I'm sure there's some of those things that God could say to us. I know what it's like. Some of you have had to go through some tough stuff. Some of you have worked really hard. Some of you, you know, you've believed the right things. You've rejected uh, lies and untruths that people have spoken to you. And we have to watch all of those things. So there's lots that to commend that church in Ephesus that I'd love him to be able to commend about us too. We want to be people who teach the Bible, who believe the right things. We want to reject the, the lies that, that even our culture propagates and say, no, there is truth and this is who we, we're going to follow. And then he says this word, but. But, here's the problem. And in verse four, he says this, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Bam, this is heavy. Jesus is saying, and this is something we need to know, believe in the right things and doing the right things and keeping on doing them is not enough for him. It's not just about your head. It's not just about your hands. It's about your heart. Jesus wants us to have a heart that's fully on fire for him and fully loving him. And from that, he can change the world. But the minute that they started to backtrack, the minute they just thought it's about believing right things and doing right things, but not feeling that burning passion for Jesus Christ, the fire started to go out. And Jesus said, you know what? If that continues to dwindle like that, if you keep losing your fire, I'm gonna take your light away. I'm going to keep on still making sure my gospel goes out. Still going to make a difference in that, in that region and all around the world because, you know, Jesus is going to do that. He says, but you're not going to have a part in it. And for me, that, oh, wow, that is just painful to consider that Jesus would say that to us too. So this series about heart is so important. It's all about the heart. The Bible says whatever else we do, all the churches that we plant, all the people that we reach, all the leaders that we train, all those things are good. We want to work hard. We want to believe the truth. But more than anything else, we want to be a people of passionate zeal for Jesus Christ. And unless we do that, it doesn't, nothing else really matters. Above all else, guard the heart, for from it flow the issues of life. It's a bit of a buy one, get one free today. Yay. Two talks for the price of one. I'll let you decide which one was better. Um, also, Anthony isn't here, so just to, <laughs> to put that out there as well. Um, I want to talk today, I want to talk about a guy called Larry Walters. Some of you may have heard of Larry Walters. He's a little bit of a legend in his community. Uh, Larry was a man with a plan. He was a guy who had an incredible vision. And uh, what Larry Walters did, one day he went to an army surplus store and he bought 75 weather balloons. He brought them home and he tied them to his lawn chair. He got a peanut butter sandwich, a six pack of beer and a BB gun. And he released the anchors on the lawn chair and let the balloons take him up. What a guy. Two hours later, a pilot flying over Los Angeles airport makes a call down. At 15,000 feet, he's seen a UFO. <laughs> Floating three miles above the airport is Larry Walters. <laughs> now, this is what had happened, yeah? So he went up, and he says he went up a bit faster than he expected. So he did what I believe almost any guy here would have done in that situation. He cracked open a beer, knocked it back quickly, and then he passed out because there wasn't any oxygen up there. 
They had to call in the SWAT teams to come and lasso this guy and pull him all the way back down to the ground. He got a $4,000 fine. And then a reporter came and asked him three questions. The first question was, were you afraid? And he said, yes. Well, he said, he said a lot more than that, but this is a church. I can't say exactly what he said. The second question he was asked is, would you do it again? He said, no way. Like, at least he had some common sense, right? And the third question was, why did you do it? And he said, I was tired of just sitting around. I was tired of just sitting around. And I thought, I think that's a lot like a lot of us. We're tired of sitting around. You know, we know that there's more. We know that there's something more out there. We know that there's more in here. There's more to us. And we're probably trying to do the right things, trying to do the good things, but we're not quite sure what to do next. And we get tired, tired of just sitting around. Now, we're a church with a vision. Our vision is really simple. It's we want to help people find their way back to God. And Anthony, in that video earlier, he, he kind of laid out a lot of the plans we've got coming up. A plan to plant a new church in the fuse with the Dawsons. How exciting is that, right? That is so exciting. And I really want to just permission you, I want to encourage you, ask God, ask yourself, should I be going with them? Should I be going and supporting them? Should I be going and helping them? Do I want to go and reach a new area in this city? So that's exciting. We've got plans for this thing called Exponential, which is gathering strategic leaders from around this continent so that we can start a church planting movement. We want to see churches that plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. This is exciting. It excites me right in my heart. I'm like, I bubble up when I think about it. And what's amazing is all of the things that Anthony was sharing about, it's like, this is just what we can see right now. I firmly believe that God wants to do so much more than this. And my question today is, are you ready? No, wait, don't say yes, because Larry Walters thought he was ready, right? And he ended up three miles up, passed out, not even able to finish the rest of his six-pack. Like, just because you think you're ready doesn't make you ready. Larry had a vision, but he didn't have wisdom. A vision without a plan is a fantasy. A vision with a bad plan is a delusion. But if we can have vision and a wise plan, I, I believe that can change the world. And so today I want to do a little bit of a practical thing. Think of it as a couch to 5K. Right? I want us to go from couch to how we live out that vision. And so we're going to start by going to that same verse in Acts 19, verse 9, that Anthony was sharing about earlier, and thinking about this church at the Hall of Tyranus. If we can get that on the screen, please. It says this, Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. The way was what they called the church back then. This is happening before the church existed. They didn't know what to do. They hadn't had a branding campaign yet. And they thought, we'll just call these the, the people who follow the way. It was kind of the short for the way of Jesus. Um, so they're people who followed Jesus' teaching, basically. So Paul left them. He took his disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Wow. So they've got this, this church. 
if we're going to call it a church, before the word church existed. They've got this community, this group of people. And like Anthony shared earlier, they, they hired this building. It wasn't a religious building. It wasn't traditional. It was actually a lot like this. It was a lot like what we're sitting in right now. They found the biggest place they could in their part of the city. They hired it. And they would meet, and they would talk, and they would pray, and they would worship. And from this place, every single Jew and every single Greek in the entire region of Asia heard the good news. That's massive. That's massive. They were a church with a vision. They wanted to be a church that was going to plant churches, that was going to plant churches, that was going to plant churches. And they equipped themselves. Do you know, if you ever see anybody equipping themselves in a serious way, you know that they've got a vision. Because nobody equips themselves unless they know why they're equipping themselves. So when we say this is the year of equipping, we need you to know the vision you're equipping yourselves for, and we'll know you've got that vision when we start to equip ourselves. It was incredible that they had this belief that God could use them to transform this whole area. And the thing with belief, Ollie was talking about this earlier, belief always leads to action. It always leads to action. I realized this in a massive way this week. On Wednesday, me and my friend Tim, we were in Costa Coffee. And we were just working on our laptops. When all of a sudden we heard this noise downstairs. Bang, 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 bang. We're like, what's that? And then there was a shouting, loads of shouting. And, and we're in the top floor in Costa. And everyone suddenly was just like, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? Something's going on. What's going on? You can hear this murmur like, where is it? Where is it? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, above the murmur, two words came across the top. The words were gun and bomb. Honestly, chaos exploded in that room. One woman, she runs to like the glass doors. She's trying to open it, but it's locked. We're like rats in a cage. There's these, these high windows, you know, the type that, that open horizontally. One guy jumps up, climbs out of the window, falls down head first from the first floor onto the pavement, smashes his face up, breaks his arm, gets into the bank next door where he passes out. Genuinely, in my head, I saw those London buses with the tops blown out. And I stood there and I thought, this is my time. This is it. Jesus, I think I'm ready. <laughs> I'm not sure if I was. I thought, what do I do? I was just waiting. And <laughs> this is really sad, okay? I, this is a bit of a confession. I feel awkward even sharing this. So what I did was I thought, what would a decent pastor do? <laughs> I was like, what would wonder pastor, super pastor, what would he do? I thought he would probably go downstairs. The Holy Spirit would anoint him with the right words to say. He would talk those terrorists down and it would be amazing and Jesus would be celebrated. So I thought, I'll just do that then. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what I thought was going to happen. So I go down the stairs and I just thought, I'll say something. Maybe God will help me when I get there. So I get down and I go around the corner and it was a bunch of kids and it was a prank. And it was nothing. It was a storm in a teacup. But what was real was our belief. And this is amazing. It made me realize in that moment two crazy things, two massive things I realized in that experience. One is that belief always leads to action. 
Even though we didn't know that it was fake, you know, we believed what was happening. That guy who jumped out of a window from the first floor headfirst onto the pavement believed that was a better course of action than staying in a coffee shop where there could be a bomb. The kids that were screaming and crying, they believed it. Your belief will always lead you to action. Or you can think of this the other way around. If you look at your actions, they're going to tell you a lot about what you really believe. Belief and actions are intertwined. That was the first thing it taught me. The second thing is that there's always more going on beneath the surface. It was amazing how quick we were to believe that we could be like Paris, je suis Didsbury. <laughs> it was amazing how close that was to the surface. No one had to convince anybody. We believed like that. And it was like our masks, that fear that people feel, that mask was dropped. Everyone just was honest. There was a moment of integrity. And we showed what was actually in our hearts. There's more going on beneath the surface. And then as I came back up and I told everybody and I said, it, it was false alarm, it was just kids. It was like the masks came back on. Everyone sat down and we did that English thing where we all pretended it didn't happen. and No one made eye contact anymore. It was really beautifully awkward. I felt like I was back at home in the South again. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is there's more going on beneath the surface that we don't see. And I wonder, what do you see beneath the surface going on in this city right now? What do you see beneath the surface? Because I do, I see fear. I see people who are afraid. People are afraid of terrorists. People are afraid of foreigners. People are afraid of losing their security. They're afraid of losing their money. They're afraid of politicians or what politicians might do. I see people who are afraid that they might, they might live and they might die and they might have just never really done anything with their lives. Or that there's promises that we seem to see on a television set or in, in magazines that we're never going to fulfill and there's a fear that I'm going to be missing out on something and I don't know what it is. I see people who have a hole which they just don't know how to fill. I see good people doing good things, making the most of their lives. But in those moments of integrity, in the moments when those masks are, are let down, there's something missing. But I see a God doing things beneath the surface as well. I've met so many people recently who have said, I'm moving to Manchester because I believe God is going to do something in this city. I've seen people who are pushing boundaries further than they've ever done before. They're willing to take risks. They're not willing to make rational decisions. They're going to make faith-filled decisions because they firmly believe God wants to do something in our city. I'm seeing young people who are leading the way in prayer and fasting because they believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something right here in this city. Do you know, every week at Kingsway, we ask people if they want to make a decision to come back to God. And I'm going to ask you later if you want to make that decision as well. And every Sunday, people say yes. Do you know, we're seeing dozens of people every month. But I can see those tens become twenties. Those 20s become 50s. Those 50s become 100s as God changes the tide in a city. 
As God changed the tide in a nation, I believe God wants to change the city in a way like we've never seen it before, where the very fabric of our culture is shifted. I can see a church who's gonna rise up, who are gonna be so sacrificial in love that we will astonish everyone around us, that we will go into every street, into every neighbourhood, that we will plant churches, we'll plant churches, we'll plant churches, so that every single person will know this incredible news that God isn't what they think He is. God isn't that person that they think He is, but God is good. In fact, He's better you can possibly imagine. God is loving. The very word love describes God. That God wants to know us, that God wants to change us. And I see, I see abuse going down. I see, I see pain and suffering going down. I see suicide rates dropping as a city changes its heart and comes back to God. But I'll tell you something, none of that matters at all. None of that matters. Because belief always has to be followed by action. You know, a vision without a plan is a fantasy. A vision with a bad plan is a delusion. But if we can find a wise plan, we might just change the city. And so the question that I've been building up to, the thing that I really want to bring today is, do you believe our vision? And if you do, what are you going to do about it? What's your action that goes with your heart? And I want to make this simple. I said it was a couch to 5K. I want to start, I want to give you two actions I believe every single one of us in this church can make, which, which is going to hugely impact the city. Two simple actions. Number one, I want to ask everyone here to start to pray for your proximity. Prayer for your proximity. I, at Christmas, read some research by a guy called Roy Crown. He interviewed 10,000 people and he asked them what it was like for them when a friend or a neighbour shared the gospel with them. And out of those 10,000 people, 20% said it was a really positive experience. I loved hearing about it. I was interested and I wanted to do something to find out more. And, I would have, and they were like, basically, I would have gone to church, I would have done an alpha course, whatever. There was like 20% were really positive. And I thought, that's amazing, 20%. That's one in five. So I thought, if I start praying for five people, statistically, one of them should make a really amazing decision to follow Jesus. Like, that's a great statistic. Rather than pray for one person a lot, I'll pray for five and use some statistics. So I thought I'd do that. So I began in January. At first, I just chose one person and then I kind of chose a couple as I went along, shifted it around a little bit. And then I got to March and I was like, no, I really need to solidify my five. So I got my five and I prayed for them every single day. Every morning, I prayed for these five people. Since then, one of them in this service said, I want to become a follower of Jesus. Since then, one of them has been on an Alpha course. Another one, his partner is currently on an Alpha course. Another one doesn't say they want to become a Christian, but their whole language has changed. The way they talk is more like, oh, I'm not going to be a Christian, but if I was going to become a Christian, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that I'd want to be getting involved in. If I was going to go to church, Ivy Church is the kind of church I'd want to be going to. They've shifted the whole language, and then the fifth person, nothing's changed. <laughs> They're exactly the same as they were before. But what's amazing, out of the five, I've seen four of them make massive steps towards God. 
And the thing is, I've not spoken to any of them. I'm not on their case every day preaching. I mean, if they come here, they'll probably hear me preach, but otherwise, I've not said anything to them. Some of them I haven't even seen in like six months, and I'm relying on friends to keep me updated on what's happening in their lives. This isn't stuff that I've manufactured. All I've done is prayed. So when you came in, you would have received a little card like this, and I'd like everyone to find that card. If you didn't get one, stick your hand up high and wave it. I'm going to ask the welcome team to get one to you. And on this card, it says, my five friends. Imagine if every single one of us in this church were praying for just five people every single day. That's two and a half thousand people who are prayed for every single day. Or if you think about it like this, if you committed two minutes, because I'll be honest with you, that's all I spend on it. If you commit two minutes a day to praying for these five people, as a church, that's 6,000 hours we're given in a year to praying for the city to be transformed through individuals. That's incredible. That is going to make a difference. So why don't you ask you, who's in your proximity? Who's around you that you could commit to praying for every single day? And I want you to take this card, stick it in your Bible, stick it on your fridge, stick it in your journal, whatever you do, wherever it works for you, Put it somewhere where you're not going to miss it. You're going to see it every single day. Put it right in the middle of your mirror so you have to look at it when you wake up. Let's every single one of us commit to that. Simple first step. Number one, let's all pray for our proximity. Number two, I want to ask you to get ready. As I've said all the way through, A vision without a plan is a fantasy. A vision with a bad plan is a delusion. But a vision with a wise plan can change this city. It can change this nation. It can change this continent. It can change this world. So I want to ask you to get ready. This is our year of equipping. And we've been trying our best to equip you. But I want you to get yourself ready. To equip yourself Already we've been trying to give you practical teaching. We've started doing Equip to Leads. Who here has been to an Equip to Lead evening? Equip to Leads are all about how you can use your influence that you already have better. How you can become a better leader. How you can use your skills better. Maybe you should get ready. Maybe you should get to some Equip to Lead evenings. We've begun talking about residencies. Residencies are our pathway to leadership. If you feel like a stirring in your heart to plant a church, if you feel like God could be leading you into church leadership, this is your next step. I want to ask you to sign up for a residency. This is going to be the best way to prepare for that. Maybe your next step should be a residency. Maybe that's how you're going to get ready. Or there's a third way. I believe We've been saving the best way to equip you until last this year. So what I would love right now is to get the best drum roll we've ever achieved in this building. Can I get a drum roll, please? Okay, let's do like a crescendo. If I crescendo louder, louder. Announcing formation. Hey! I am so... So I don't think I've ever been so excited about what you would call like a course. <laughs> this is so exciting. So formation is going to be a four-week course. And it's a little bit, I imagine it like base camp at Mount Everest. Before you try and reach the peak, you want to spend some time at base camp and get yourself ready. 
We want to ask everybody to take four weeks to prepare themselves for everything that God's got planned for you in the future. This, if you've just become a Christian, is what we think is going to be your starting point. If you've just come to Ivy, this is going to be the first thing we want to get you into. Formation. I've been writing this with Ollie and another guy, Andrew, and God has challenged me so much. I feel like I've been stretched personally. I'm like, every single person here should be challenged, should be stretched, and should be equipped through this course. And the problem with courses, let me tell you the problem with courses. This is the thing that I hate most about courses, that I'm a busy person, and then they stick them on another weeknight, and I don't have time for them. Anybody else hate courses that are like that? Have to find another evening. You guys love courses. That's amazing. Hardly any hands went up. Um, so what we've thought is we're going to stick this course on a Sunday morning. We're going to have it in the foyer simultaneously to the service. So the idea is that you could be in here, worship with us as a community, and then rather than listening to another talk by Ben, you can go out and you can have discussion, you can have dialogue, you can explore these four stages of formation. Your kids, you don't have to worry about them. No babysitters needed because they can go in our groups. They can be looked after. So there's going to be four steps, four stages of this course. Week one is about knowing God, knowing how God's story and your story collide, knowing how that affects you, how you can articulate that and how you share that, understanding what that means, that that's the beginning of everything we do. That changes every decision from then on, that that belief leads to different actions. Week two is about your foundations, Bible, prayer, community, Holy Spirit, the foundations that we're going to build a strong life on. Maybe you already pray, maybe you already are in a little bit of community. This is like football, you don't stop passing the ball once you've learned how to kick. This is so important, these foundations. Week three is design. If you discover your design, you'll know what your destiny is. How God made you is who he wants you to become. So by looking at our design, we find not just who we are, but who we're going to become even more. And then week four is your potential. What does God want to do that's going to astonish the people around you, through you? What's your potential? And how are you going to realize that? And I can tell you right now, your potential won't happen by sitting in a chair. Your potential will only ever happen by getting out places. Formation, and until I'm trying to, I'm expecting this to be packed because I want every single one of us to go through this. And so we're going to start this next week. And why hang around, hey? It's, 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 it's kind of ready. So we're just going to go for it. We're going to do like a formation beta, I guess. So if you're like one of those people who get the beta stuff, we're going to go for it. We want to get this started straight away because I'm just, I'm just too excited. <laughs> I can't wait another month for us to start. Uh, but because, because there's so many of us and we can't all do it straight away, I want to restrict the first month to two types of people. If you're here and you've just become a follower of Jesus, you've just become a Christian, either for the first time or you've been away for a long time, I want to ask you to sign up for this for this first month. I want to get you in straight away and help you because we want to just bless you on your journey. That's the first type of person. Second type of person I want to ask is if you have a heart for discipling people, if you're a teacher or you have like a pastoral gift and you think, I want to help people... To, to go from point couch 
to 5K, we'll stick with that metaphor. If you have that heart, you want to help people realize their purpose, find their potential, I'd love to get you to do this first as well so that you can do it and then you can come back and you can teach others and you can train them and you can equip them too. So out in the foyer, we're going to have a sign-up sheet and after the service, you can sign up. You can also email in if you need a day to think about it. Um, sure, that's, that's easy. Uh, info at ivychurch.org. But I consider these two steps, these two baby steps, to be something that every single one of us can do. We can all pray for our proximity and we can all get ready. And if we do both, God is going to do some incredible things for this community. Can we all stand up? Can I get the band to come to the front? <laughs> Belief and action are always intertwined. If you believe, you always act. And what you act will always tell you about what you believe. And we're a community who are, we're just sold out in wanting to transform this city and make it a better city. We want people to know God because we've met God and he's transformed our lives. And um, you might be here today and you might be thinking, this is all great, but I'm, I don't know this Jesus yet. And maybe when I've talked about some of this stuff, your heart has beat. Or maybe in the worship, you've experienced something. I sometimes talk to people and they say that there was something different about the atmosphere when they came into this place. And I have to explain to them that that difference isn't us, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, it's God. It's that God is in this place with us. And maybe you're here and maybe you're thinking, I do believe. Actually, I do believe. I do believe that, that Jesus is real. I do believe that he died. I do believe that he wants to know me personally and I do believe that my life will be transformed through knowing him. John 10.10 says, I came so that they would have life and life to the full. In the book of Romans, a letter by the same guy, Paul, that we were talking about earlier, he said this, he said, if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you're saved. And I wonder today, whether it's your day to start your 5K, to take a move off your couch and to make a decision and say, I want to follow this Jesus. And that might be the first time you've ever said this. It might be something that you, decision you made years ago, but it isn't real in your life in any way now. I don't want to spend much more time talking about this. I just want to create an opportunity, an opportunity for your belief to become an action. And so if that's you, if you're here and you say, I want to follow that Jesus, I want, I want to see change. I want to see the best change. Just right now where you are, bold as brass, just please stick your hand up and just raise it nice and high so that I can see you because I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you at the start of this journey. Anyone else? Will you please close our eyes? And if you believe this prayer, we can all pray this together and we'll pray it out loud. 
Lord God, I believe in you. I want to make my life reflect that belief. So I choose to follow you. I will follow you wherever you take me. Lord, lead me. I'm yours. And you are now mine. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.